0: Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Hilt, and today's guest is Nettie Owens, founder of Safari Solutions and Momentum Accountability. Nettie has always had a knack for working with people, coordinating projects, and helping folks get things done. She's got plenty of good insights to share in this episode, from how to organize your life and workplace, both personally and professionally, and how to be accountable with your productivity and goal setting. Take good notes because you're going to learn lots. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, feel free to follow Good People Cool Things on Twitter or Facebook at GPCT Podcast on both platforms. You can also sign up for my mailing list to get lots more resources that will help you in whatever cool thing you're working on. Sign up for that at bit.ly forward slash GPCT sign up. And now here's my conversation with Nettie Owens. Can you just give us a little background of... Of your story and uh, how you got to where you are and created momentum accountability.
1: Oh, sure. So I it didn't start out this way. Um, I I had somebody ask recently where like where my career began, and and I thought like what? But I don't do I start when I was six and started making pipe cleaner like butterflies that I sold on the corner in front of my house. Uh,
0: I would say so. What was the going rate for that?
1: 25 cents. Um, Yeah, and I would sell it to the college students that walked by that really needed (laughs) pipe cleaner butterflies (laughs) for their dorm rooms. They probably were just like, oh, that's a cute little girl. We'll buy her stuff. The lemonade was a little bit, you know, a hotter product, but uh, yeah, we just kept making that. And friendship bracelets, you know, that was the thing. Um, but yeah, it really threw me for a loop. I'm like, my career, gosh, I don't know when that started. But yeah, I'm you know always sort of an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and then in college, I studied computer science, so that was the beginning of some direction. And I I came out of school and uh, jumped into being an, the assistant director of database services, which sounds pretty pretty fancy for right out of uh, college, and it was great. Um, I had people that I managed and I ensured that I never told them how old I was because then they probably wouldn't listen to me (laughs) being fresh out of school and all. Um, But it it was in, when I moved with my husband to, from California to Maryland, that's, that's really when things started going. And at that point I started my business as a professional organizer. Um, Everything before that certainly led to my experience, but Uh, it it was funny in the early days, you know, people would ask me, did did you go to school to be an organizer? No, that's not a college degree. You know,
0: I was going to say that's, that's new to me if it is.
1: (laughs) I think actually I I saw somebody uh, through LinkedIn that looked like she had gotten some college coursework on organizing. And I, and I asked her, she hasn't responded yet um, how that came to be because I'm old enough in this industry to know that there was a time when there wasn't even certification. And when you wanted to be an organizer, you just said, I'm an organizer. And that was a, that, like there was nothing else to it. Um, <clears throat> but I read a bunch of books and, and I tried it out on my friends and family. And I ended up creating the largest organizing agency in my area, uh, becoming the go-to person for um, organizing challenges. Like if somebody had ADHD or there, were, there was hoarding or PTSD, OCD, traumatic brain injury, anything that affected a person's ability to make decisions and maintain their space. And uh, and so my team and I would, would go out and work with these folks and I would train other organizers to do the same and uh, it was a pretty good, pretty good run of things. Um, I really enjoyed that work. Um, and it laid the foundation for what I do now, um, which a few years back I ended up transitioning from working with individuals in their homes, to working in a more corporate environment or with businesses. And that's really what led to where I am today with Momentum Accountability. So the the overall company, Safari Solutions, that still exists, and the focus is really on entrepreneurs and business owners. And Like I know it's kind of the best kept secret in town, actually the worst kept secret because I keep talking about it on podcasts, but there's really (laughs) no difference between the work that I was doing and the work that I am doing now. Um, All of the skills that were needed to uh, help somebody through a challenging situation like hoarding um, or, you know, find solutions that work when you have ADHD or you have a brain injury or anxiety, things like that the same, they're the same skills, you know, that, that we use to navigate big projects now with building a business and focus and clarity and, you know, bringing the right people around you to help and all of that kind of stuff. It, it's like, you know, just a different name on it, but it's really the same, the same work. Um, and so what now I call it productivity, right? Because that's what you would want in businesses to be productive and, Uh, and that to then lead to earning more money and being happier and, you know, managing your time and schedule a little bit better.
0: Awesome. We'll get into all that uh, productivity and uh, ways to kind of improve on that. Cause I know I certainly need, need help on that. Sometimes there's, there's uh, days where I'll get to the end of it. And I was like, I know I was doing stuff today, but like, what did I really (laughs) accomplish? Like, which uh, it's never, never a great way to feel, but uh, fortunately those days are not uh, every day. And then, then there might be a, a bit more of a deeper problem lag on there. <laughs> uh, but first, I think this is always interesting. Uh, what is something that you have in your house that you that could be considered like a hoarding thing uh, that you you're like, why do I have this? But you don't want to get rid of it.
1: Mm. Yeah. So I have three children. There's a whole lot of stuff in my house that I would. Consider I thought you were going to say
0: the children, and I was just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There are days, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, if I were living alone, it would look different. And uh, so that that's a reality. But the things that are actually mine, um, yeah, there's definitely some stuff. I So to define it as hoarding, it would have to be in excess mm-hmm. and preventing your daily living and, you know, having a hard time letting go. So I guess having, a, there are some things that I would have a hard time letting go of. And, and certainly, you know, my husband, of course, it's like, why are you looking at my stuff when you have these things over here? Like all, all couples, you know, have these particular discussions. Um, hmm, I wonder, so confessions, like full online worldwide podcast confessions, I still have my planky from when I was a child. Oh. So that probably would fall into that category.
0: It's not I really. mean, does it still provide you comfort though?
1: Um, so many, many, many years ago, like before I left for college, um, you know, it was a tattered mess at that point, so <laughs> no longer functional. And um, wow. my mom and I made this zip up pouch and just folded it neatly. So it's basically the stuffing of this little pink pillow. And, uh, you know, it just, I know it's there. I don't, there you, you know, it, it's just kind of a nice, like, connection to childhood so
0: yeah I think those are always good things to have I know I've certainly kept some things where I'm like yeah this is childhood like I might not use this ever and I might only look at it occasionally but it's still good still good to have and
1: I would you know uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, Marie Kondo and, and her methodology and things like that stuff that's been around for years like what she put into the book and her tv shows every organizer on the planet's like oh you know this is all just general knowledge um but but her phrasing of spark joy right so you know it it, there since it since it is something that brings us happiness it's not in that category of not being necessary right so Mm -hmm. um i would encourage everyone listening to think about like it's not really what other people think of your stuff but creating an environment where you feel amazing and that you love everything around you and and that everything to you um, it's not it doesn't even have to have a purpose but like you said there are things that you look at and go oh yeah that's a you know that feels good to have that there that's fine keep it
0: nice i like that i like that and so getting i a- Onto perhaps more of a more of an educational topic instead of just <laughs> our, our favorite uh, childhood memories. Uh, obviously we're kind of a little more back in like the hey we're remote working. Mm-hmm. Um, so just has your mindset kind of shifted almost back to when you were starting? I know you said it's it's the same thing that you're doing now that you had been doing before, but have you kind of taken a little more of like a oh, this is almost like a a one-on-one sort of thing because so many people are working alone at their homes?
1: Um, Well, at this point, and and even right prior to everything sort of shutting down the way it has, I I already was working remotely with 99.9% of my clients. So this hasn't added really any change. The change has been that my clients weren't all working. Remotely and so supporting them supporting their businesses and and the direction that they're going in now that they don't have uh, The in-person clients or an office to go to or, or things like that and so supporting that way So it really hasn't been a move to uh, To the way things that were for me Um, but really supporting them in that shift. Um I'm going to avoid the word pivot because it's been overused in the last two months. Um, and even I've, I've used it a little bit myself. Um, but yeah, you know, really um, understanding how to be effective alone in an office or not alone, like you've got your family around you or significant other or pets, you know, like how does that impact uh, the work that you're doing? You know, that's those are good thoughts to be pondering and, uh, and it's not just shut the door and put your head down and work and hope that the house doesn't fall down around you. There's <laughs> got to be a little bit of a plan about that.
0: Yeah, the the pet part is a really interesting one uh, for me personally, because right at the beginning of March, uh, before everything shut down, but like, I guess if you were paying close enough attention, maybe you you could tell this was coming. But uh, I think a lot of us were still kind of blissfully unaware. Um <laughs> Uh, But we adopted a dog, uh, a second dog for the house, and I am very interested to see how he reacts uh, eventually down the line if we do end up going back to our offices at least like a couple times a week. Um, And, you know, we're not home all the time, like, because this is pretty much all he's known since he's been here is just people constantly around. Uh, And it's just, it's interesting, like, like, I've been telling people if you want to adopt a dog this is probably the best time to do it but like don't just willy-nilly do it but like if you're seriously considering it this is this is a pretty good time to do it cuz you you can give them the attention uh, that they need uh and I don't have children but I imagine dogs are a little bit easier to um you know they can sit in the sun and be fine whereas uh if you just told your your kid to sit in front of a window for 2 hours uh, I don't know how that would fly <laughs> It's
1: true um <laughs> but they, they do pose their own challenges we have a dog two cats and a guinea pig and oh, wow. you're right they're all happy that we're home um although the one cat she's a bit anxious and um, everybody being in the house all the time is mm. messing with her mojo she's like guys i'm i'm the most introverted introverted cat there is <laughs> and you're all here in my space all the time so we ended up having to take her to the emergency room because she got so oh. anxious that of everybody being around all the time that she was starting to have some problems. So <laughs> <laughs> not all of our pets want us around all the
0: time. <laughs> yeah, that's a hidden, uh, hidden obstacle I have never <laughs> considered. But I've also never owned a cat. So I maybe that's a little less surprising to cat owners. <laughs> Everyone's just nodding like, yes, like that's... 100% expected. <laughs> have you found uh, a tool? I know Zoom, uh, which used to be a nice little kept secret. I feel like everyone has has been on at least one Zoom call now. But have you found any kind of uh, other tools that have proven to be really successful for remote working or ones that you were already using that now a lot more people could find value in?
1: um well i'm I'm gonna have to just go with zoom like that's that was my go to before um like you i I used it all the time for meetings and things um I wasn't big on voxer before, but now that's been um a nice addition um some tools that I had suggested before and are equally relevant now and maybe more so would be things like slack you know, for group, um, group conversations and, and project conversations. Um, so I would say those would be, those would be my go-to, but I, I mean, certainly noticing that a lot of other companies are kind of stepping up. They don't want zoom to have all the action. And so, uh, what is it? Microsoft meeting and, uh, Google hangouts, and even Facebook has these sidebar groups that you can jump into now. So it's been interesting actually to see. And, uh, I haven't gone through to test a lot of them, but my suggestion is for productivity, use the one that works, right? So if your office is all on one system, don't just say, oh, hey, we should all try this new thing. Um, If you've got some tools, use them, get to know them really well and and get everybody on board. Basically, it doesn't even matter what the tool is, there needs to be a plan for communication. So the biggest thing with remote work is just making sure everybody's on the same page about how they get information, how they communicate to other people, how they share projects. And I think what this has revealed is glaring gaps for many companies in systems and processes that should have been in place when they were in an office, but now that they're not, they're non-negotiable. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they've had to scramble to put some of this stuff into place. Um, the, the great thing is that uh, after they will have everything in place and they can go forward, either continuing with, with remote work or not. Um, and when they do go back to the office, if they do, it's going to be more efficient, right? Because they've taken they've taken the time and steps to um, to have those systems and processes that are going to help with communication, moving projects along, and things like that.
0: Absolutely. I, I totally agree to um, use the tool that works for you. Uh, and almost find myself, this is probably just my own stubbornness, but getting mad if someone invites me to something that like, I either am not a fan of or if it, like, I got invited to, uh, I think it was called Blue Jeans. Oh, I, yeah. Blue yeah, Jeans is cool. Which, yeah, I was like, oh, this is cool. But it was like another thing to, to download. And then the app wasn't working. So I just went in through the web. And I was like, Ma, why can't everyone just do Zoom? <laughs> and I was very much like Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn.
1: Well, the same might have been said between MySpace, Friendster, and then Facebook coming along, right? But um, you don't see too many people using MySpace and Friendster anymore. <laughs> That's
0: <is laughs> so true. That Blue is jeans true. could be
1: the next thing that takes over Zoom or any of these others. But I think what we're finding is um, there are, different video conferencing platforms that work for different means you know like mm-hmm. i really love Streamyard for streaming live onto social media platforms um i wouldn't use i know zoom does the same thing but i i like Streamyard for that um you know so we're going to start finding these uh co- these platforms start kind of niching into what they're really good at and uh, and there's going to be a lot of them it, it's it's already happening with bigger companies but a lot of smaller mm-hmm. companies are going to pop up and be like hey try our tool and we do this better whatever it is
0: yeah i think that's the the important differentiator is that sort of niching um of like you don't need to be the best at everything but if you're the best at one thing there's plenty of people that'll still use it so mm-hmm. yeah i thought i mean i used Streamyard with you today for the first time i had never used that and i was like that was super seamless and easy uh, So I might be sold on it now. So well done. Just
1: one time. You didn't tell me to get off your yard on that one?
0: (laughs) Well, that also opened smoothly and I didn't have to download an app. So that's That's why I like it. Yeah. (laughs) It is a nice perk. It is a nice perk. And then meanwhile, my family who does the uh, weekend crosswords, uh, apparently we can only work on Skype. Like we've tried some of the other ones, uh, Google Hangouts, not everyone can see each other. Uh, Zoom, I, I don't know what our issue with Zoom was, but again, like people couldn't couldn't uh, hear one another. But for whatever reason on Skype, it usually works. Mm. Um, and with two parents that are, you know, technology users, but not like the most adept at technology, like you found the one that works. let's keep with it the
1: one you use (laughs) skype is really happy you said that because they were feeling a little neglected in all of them they're glad your family's using them
0: yeah skype is like the og for me like i remember having i mean i probably had skype back in um in fact i i can almost pinpoint the exact year but i'm gonna not know it off the top of my head i want to say 2007 maybe because i remember creating a skype account while, this is a real random fact, but while watching uh, the NFL playoffs one year, and uh, astute football fans might remember Darren Sproles, who uh, was this little running back, he's like 5'6", 150 pounds, and he just had, he was playing like a crazy good game, and I was like, Not a huge NFL fan at the time, but I I had the game on because I'm like, playoffs, let's get excited. And just this short little guy was like running around and getting around everyone and, and scored like three touchdowns. And I was just like, yes, like, this is a guy who's smaller than I am. And he's just tearing up this NFL field. And I made a Skype account that was called the Darren Sproles fan club. And for the <laughs> longest time, still, like, that was like my go-to. And then finally, I got invited to a, a job interview meeting, like, several years later. And they were like, oh, we'll use Skype. And I was like, well, I should probably have a professional one so that I- I don't uh, just show up as the Darren Sproles fan club for this job interview.
1: They might ask you about that. It could be a talking point.
0: That is true. Or maybe they, uh, I think they were playing the Colts that year. Uh, (laughs) Maybe they were an Indianapolis Colts fan and and they'd immediately just be like, wait a minute, you're out, you're done. (laughs) It's a risk I probably should have taken, but (laughs) what are the odds that they'd be (laughs) Indianapolis Colts fans? (laughs) Magical. Uh, So... One of the things I like to do uh, with the podcast is to ask a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. And I thought yours was very good because obviously accountability, it's in the name, mm-hmm. some <laughs> accountability. So, uh, And you asked, why shouldn't I just use my friend or business co- colleague for accountability? Because you both promised to show up. It'll be so much cheaper. What's wrong with that? Yeah, it'll
1: be, it typically is Free, you know, you just use a friend, and uh, and y'all say, you know, we're both gonna hit a million dollars this year, and and we're gonna go to it. And for the first like day, or maybe two, uh, you check in, and you're, you know, whether that's a phone call or you grab Voxer or you get up Messenger and you say, oh, hey, you're working on the thing? Yeah, I'm working on the thing. Are you doing your thing? Okay, we're gonna check in this afternoon and we'll ask each other the same questions. And that truly lasts for like a day. You know, It's just not long, not long. I, I haven't heard of too many that have worked out for the positive. The other pitfall here is one of you might be more consistent and eager in your outreach and uh, and eventually start feeling like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm asking the questions, but they're not, you know, they're not showing up for me. And so it gets, it gets a little bit frustrating and then it ends up falling apart. Um, and that was kind of my own experience. I had been in business coaching programs where they said, hey, grab an accountability partner. And my first accountability partner, this kind of disproves my theory, but um, it's okay. Uh, she and I still talk. Uh, four years in, we still talk every single day, um, and that's by Facebook Messenger. It's just a quick check-in and that kind of thing. Um, but the next partner wasn't quite as on point, and I felt like I wasn't really getting what I needed. Like I felt like I was giving a lot, but not getting what I needed. And and the next one wasn't fabulous. And I would try and pick people that had something I wanted to learn or or receive, you know, in uh, in return for, for the support that they were getting. Um, and I just really wasn't feeling like I was getting what I needed out of the relationship, but I kept hearing, oh, you're such a good accountability partner. Oh my gosh, you're the best accountability partner to the point where kind of towards the end of that coaching program, people were like, hey, will you be my accountability partner? And it, it struck me, I was like, wait a minute, so, So being an accountability partner isn't just an innate thing. That's number one. You know, you have to be open to asking questions, digging into things, and um, uh, showing up consistently every single day. And the other thing is, it's a service, you know, um, that you can pay for, and then you don't have to show up. Like, uh, that might have been misinterpreted. You don't have to give anything back because you're investing in a service like this. You can just unload like fully for yourself and, sh- and and be 100% yourself and either, you know, be a complete and utter mess that day or on top of the world and your accountability partner because they don't like, they're not expecting you to be present for them. You know, they can show up fully to you and give you everything that you need in the way of support. So they can also chase you down, which is something I like to regularly do with my clients, um, which is why they love me and hate me at the same time. But, (laughs) hey, you didn't you didn't check in. Are you okay? Are you still alive? That's, you know, send a signal. my courier pigeon, whatever. Um, if, uh, if, uh, you're still alive. Um, but that kind of like just solid consistency in your business is so powerful that you'll find yourself going, Oh my gosh, I, I actually achieved my goals. I, I actually did what I said I was going to do because you know, that part, that the other side, you know, the accountability coach is going to be there. And, uh, and most people have a bit of a desire to Perform like I did. Get my things done. Like they're going to want to stay up that little bit later, or maybe that extra five minutes to do the task that they said they were going to do. And and so you do show up a little bit more when you know someone's on the other end going to check on check in on you. Um, but this kind of ab- accountability, it's it's really specific. It's really structured. And your coach should or your accountability coach partner should know exactly what your goals are, exactly what the pitfalls are, how you get motivated. I mean, basically all the same things that a coach needs to know. And uh, and so great coaches also will sometimes make great accountability partners. Not always. There are plenty of coaches themselves that aren't consistent. They can show up for your monthly appointment, but not necessarily in between. And there are also a lot of coaches who don't understand why accountability Um, isn't innate or why consistent action isn't innate. And so they will like, oh, they'll get frustrated. You know, they'll get frustrated with their clients. Like, oh my gosh, you know, we had this appointment and they were, everyone who's listening, um, there's going to be an enormous part of this population will be like, yep, that's me. Um, (laughs) The night before, I don't understand why the night before my clients are scrambling to get their assignments that we set done and they show up half- half done, half asked, or not prepared. And uh, and the reality is you need more support than that. You need somebody checking in more frequently than once a month. And most coaching programs don't provide that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, honestly, that took me back to a college course I was in where the first, I think it was the first week, first or second week, we got an assignment due like the last week of the class. And it was a, a long assignment. And the teacher essentially said like, hey, this is going to take you a lot of time. Like It's a lot of research. It's a lot of work that you're going to have to put into it. Don't wait until the last minute. And I remember I would have weekly checking calls with my mom just about life, just because I was several states away for the first time ever. And uh, she sort of served as an accountability partner. I remember telling her about this uh this thing and I'm like yeah but we got all semester to work on it and she's like well you better start (laughs) this week like you like don't wait till the last minute and basically just echoing uh what the professor said but I was checking in with her every week the professor every once in a while would be like all right you know hope you're still working on this but mostly was just going about her lessons and not super checking in on that just figuring everyone would work on it and then the the couple of weeks before I was already done. So I was just like leaning back in my chair, like, yeah, I'm, I'm set. And everyone else was like, well, what do I do? Where do I start? And I was just like, this is why you got to have that accountability. (laughs) It's
1: true. And the thing that worked about that accountability was you weren't, number one, you didn't really ask your mom. Like she just showed Mm -hmm. up and said, Hey, I know you need this so that you can do a great job. So I'm just like, I just know I'm going to ask you every week and I'm going to check in with you on it. Um, and there was nothing you were holding her accountable to, to on the other end. You just showed up, right? And, yeah. and that's what made it, I think that's, you know, what often makes it a lot more powerful. Um, because when, and this is why I say it's better to pay for somebody than not, is when that distribution of support becomes imbalanced, then that's when the relationship falls apart. Either that or the reason you need an accountability partner is because you're really crappy at accountability and consistency. So you being somebody else's isn't going to fly. And them being yours isn't going to fly. So you really have to have kind of the right personality and and be the right strengths for that to be a good relationship. There are a few that work out really, really well. But the majority of the time, I mean... I'm sure your listeners are going to say, "Oh, I can remember when my friend and I said we'd commit to doing that, and and we (laughs) never did." You know, like it's just that's going to be the majority of cases, not the not the exception.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of times right now, like while we're talking, of like, (laughs) "Oh yeah, we like I said, I was going to do that with someone, and we just it just fizzled out." So, totally agree, totally agree. Uh, So, you've been doing this for quite some time Mm -hmm. now, over the years. Is there anything that's surprised you? I'm sure many things, but one thing that stands out that you're just like, huh.
1: <laughs> so just shifting in this direction was kind of a surprise. You know, I just was like, oh, you know, it was sort of this um, aha moment one morning before a networking group that BNI uh, that I was attending that morning and early morning group, you know, we have to show up at 730. So uh, I'm up and I'm I'm getting ready and I'm like, thinking through things showers, a great time to think through things. And and it hit me. And that was the, like, that was a really big aha awareness, um, that did surprise me. And then the next thing was when I started offering it, people signed on like the program filled immediately. Um, and, and that also surprised me like, Oh, I must've, I must've hit a need here. You know, if people are just really readily saying yes. Um, but, uh, I, that, I think for me, that's probably one of the biggest, you know, in the last, uh, in the last several years of of doing that. You know, if you were to go back and ask me about what surprised me when I used to do organizing, that could be an entire book. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> most well, do, organizers can, you, can, can you give that.
0: One, yeah. Can you give one, uh, one interesting thing from organizing? You can't tease that in a not say
1: <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious. Just one um well you have to imagine you know as an organizer you're going through people's most personal possessions the things that they don't show anybody else right the stories that they don't tell anybody else the fears and the shame that they don't expose to anybody else and so there's just always a lot of stuff um that that comes out um trying to think of one that would be more funny than than anything else um well, I will tell you one that's kind of more of a warning. How about that? Okay. Um, I was typically pretty careful uh, going through like, and this should be as your listeners are hearing this, please, please always check the pockets of every single thing that you donate. You know, unzip, look inside bags and clothing, unfold, open every envelope because the amount of money that we used to find you know, or gift cards, checks, you know, whatever, jewelry, always, you know, we'd find this stuff in pockets and envelopes and, and hidden in spaces that you thought was safe and secure and until you go to donate it and lose it. Um, but, and typically I would check all of those things, but this one time, um, I showed up and my client had an, a box ready for me and they had taken the ceiling fan down and replaced it with a new fan and put it put the old fan in the box and just said, hey, if you could take this to be donated, it still works, you know, we just replaced it. Yeah, no problem, threw it in the car, didn't think of it, took it to be donated. Um, and the next day, I think it was the next day, I got a call and they said, oh my gosh, did you donate that? Said, well, yeah, you you asked me to take it. And because I hadn't, you know, been the one to take it down or what, I didn't really check it, I just, you know, assumed everything was okay um, for whatever reason, uh, mostly probably because it was convenient and close by the fan poles, they had attached, um, their parents' wedding rings. Oh, wow. To the fan poles. Wow. Um, and, uh, that was a goner. That was it. They were gone. Uh, not a place I would typically think to look for something like that. Um, and but all but typically I was more careful. You know, typically it was like check everything. Like mm-hmm, you never yeah. know what people do <laughs> where people put things. Um, but you know, that that was definitely one that was like, oh, I I wish I could have fixed that for them. But uh, you know, we went back to the donation center and no luck, it was all it was gone. Mm.
0: That yeah, that's that's rough. That's not a place I would ever expect to look for anything. So <sighs> Especially something like that valuable I know. So, and, and so the warning
1: yeah. is, please don't attach important things to fan pools. Yes. There are cheap fan pools you can get from <laughs> Home Depot and Lowe's. Put those on, not your parents' jewelry.
0: Yeah, much <clears> less <throat> sentimental. I'd also add the uh, the checking the pockets rule before doing laundry as well, as someone who has washed uh, things that should not have gone in the washer before. Always a good idea. Yeah. Thoroughly check. But definitely
1: when you let it go out of your house.
0: Especially then, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nettie, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to end with a top three. Mm -hmm. And I think yours are great. The top three steps to greater productivity.
1: Yeah, um, I think the, I'd like to give sort of some of the anti-productivity top three. And uh, and they would be, (laughs) don't push harder. Don't just (laughs) do it. And... uh, don't. Uh, yeah, those would be the those would be the biggest ones. Don't just do it. Don't just push harder because typically that's going to land you in not getting stuff done and frustration, tired, overwhelm. Sometimes the hospital. But yeah, not not the results that you're looking for. Um, however, a fantastic path to success is number one, a vision. And I'm not talking about like oh, like I said before, like oh my gosh, I'm going to earn a million dollars. But really, truly seeing yourself in this future, where you're successful, what do things look like, how do you feel, all of that kind of stuff. So a really, really clear vision of what the outcome you're going for looks and feels like. And you don't even have to know how you're gonna do it, but just knowing in your bones and feeling it what that sensation is when you're successful, where, where you're going. So that's number one. And that's where we start everything. Because from there, we can then discern the action, and that's number two of the top three, um, that you need to take on a daily basis to get to that vision. And it's as simple as saying, what steps do I need to take today that will lead me to my vision? It can be that simple. And I promise if you did even just those two things, um, you would increase your productivity. If you have scrapped everything else, every planner, every to-do list, You know working harder pushing longer hours all that kind of stuff if you saw your future and you simply asked yourself how can i get there today you would increase your productivity but number three is and this kind of rounds it out as a um i don't know i call them in the past like success superchargers things like that it's just going to be a bonus to make it even better so number three is planning and reflecting And this probably doesn't come as a surprise as an organizer, right? I'm asking you to plan. Um, But what I want you to do here is to be constantly in a state of learning about what's working and what's not working so that you don't have to just push harder. You can say, hmm, today it didn't work out that I did X so why didn't it work out what could i have done differently how can it be better next time how can i add to my system so that you know this can be a better success in the future or oh my god i just landed that client that was amazing how did i do it how what did i say who did i talk to how did i get them on the phone what was the difference between this phone call and the one where i wasn't successful last week like just in this constant state of of planning and reflecting on, um, on the work that you're doing.
0: Love it. I love it. And if people want to learn more about this, want to get in touch with you, where can they find you?
1: Um, so first, I'd love to offer, um, the listeners a resource that I've created. It's actually an ebook, um, and you can have it. It doesn't add you to any fancy lists or anything (laughs) like that. Um, uh, but all you need to do is, and this, uh, I don't know. If, okay, so folks that are in the United States, um, you can take out your cell phone and text the word freedom to the number 411321. Freedom, 411321. And, uh, and that will send you the ebook that I wrote called The Roadmap to Freedom. And it walks you through um, nine principles that I've seen every successful business have and how to implement them for yourself. And that's just you know, my gift to you and, you know, then we'll be connected um, basically so that you can reach out to me. I won't really have a way to reach back out to you, um, you know, beyond that. So it's just you touching base with me when you're ready. Um, Otherwise, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Nettie Owens. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, although not very much. Um, (laughs) So the other two are probably a better choice. Uh, But yeah, that's where I would start.
0: Good deal. Well, Nettie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This is awesome.
1: I'm so glad to have been on here. And it really was a fun conversation to talk to you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, we got to end with a, a corny joke, as is customary on this podcast. What should you do when you see a spaceman?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't know.
0: Park your car, man. <laughs> Get after it. Today <laughs>
1: okay, I do like that. <laughs>